Welcome to episode 12 of the Mamalode podcast. I'm Leland Buck, Mamalode's digital director, and it's my pleasure to welcome a great storyteller to the show, Andy Timoner. Andy is an award-winning filmmaker with a long list of credits in film and television. She joins us today to discuss her newest project, Jungle Land, a 10-hour series which premieres this Tuesday, March 28th at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific on the cable channel Viceland. The show is a detailed chronicle of the work and vision of real estate entrepreneur Jimmy Stice, who along with about 150 people is creating a sustainable city called Kaluyala in the jungles of Panama. I asked Andy to start by telling us a little about the program. Here's what she had to say. You know, it's actually a feature-length documentary in the works. So it's something where we've, um, we've made it into a television series as we go. And uh, we're very happy to have Viceland as partners in that. It's allowed us to put a lot of infrastructure in the jungle, um, like solar, and to build platforms to sleep on, and to build a media center, and uh, things that we needed to make it possible to shoot there. And, um, and then also, obviously, getting it to millions of people is going to be, I think, great, because it's the first time that sustainability looks possible. You know, it looks... And it's suspense-driven, and it's fun, and it's sexy, and it's dangerous. And so a lot of lessons, really great lessons, are kind of wrapped up in, and especially the lesson of, like, of the, of the fact that you can choose to live how you want. You can make choices with your life. You don't have to go down the conveyor belt of, you know, straight out of college to the most, to, to do it, you know, to kind of create a career based on, attainment of money per se you see a bunch of kids who are making choices to try to live in a different way at a time we all must you know so when i stepped foot in kaluyala for the first time i went there to consult with my friend jimmy who i had met through various entrepreneur and innovation conferences he asked me as a favor to come down and check it out and let him know how i thought he could tell his story and i warned him that i wasn't going to be making more documentaries right now just because i've made some many intense ones and I was kind of moving on to my next scripted film and uh, but that I would come down for a couple days and as soon as I saw that place I just thought this is a really unique opportunity to do something that could be transformative for a lot of people and um, so then we just sold it to television to kind of fund the doc if you will so so a 10 a 10 hour documentary is huge yeah, it's pretty crazy uh, to – I didn't really think about that, um, but it has been death-defying. <laughs> it's been a really – the real jungle, Leland, has been post-production. You know, The very idea of coming back Thanksgiving with over 1,500 hours of footage and cutting together five feature-length documentaries, which is you know 10 hours of television, in – and because it's TV with act teases, with everything to entice people to come back and stay through a commercial break, which is something that as a filmmaker, I don't usually have to worry about, you know, to do all of that, uh, five of those, I'm sorry, 10 of those, five feature length docs in five months. Yeah. It's just, it's just been, it's been, it's been really like from the jungle to the jungle in Bourbon, you know, I tend to go into uh, worlds that you know, you probably can't otherwise enter unless you're watching one of my films. And I go as intimate as possible. I, I'm really a believer in fractals and the idea that if you get down to uh, 
you know, the, the actual structure of like one single cell, you, it reflects everything. And so the more intimate you tell a story, the, the more powerful and actually relevant it is, the deeper you go, the more specific you go. So we went in there and I particularly, I hired, you know, and handpicked filmmakers that I believe have a sense of this kind of thing to go move to, and recruited them within, you know, a matter of a couple of weeks to upend their lives and move to the jungle, you know, for three months. Um, and we, you know, I think we did a phenomenal job actually following what happened there. It, it, it didn't, we had no, we had no path. We had no map. We didn't have any of the typical things that a show like a reality show would have where you, you know, you know, points you have to get and you know how each episode goes or whatever it is you know we had to figure out the language of the show and we didn't even really get to that till we were able to get home and see where the bodies were buried you know we just it's just it was just everyday strategizing what cameras to use to capture whatever kind of crazy thing was about to happen you know what makes Jimmy Stice's vision of Kaliala so interesting? I'm trying to build the world's most sustainable modern town. First of all, when he told me that he was building a town in Panama when I met him, I didn't even understand what that meant because I don't know anybody building towns today. I didn't know anybody. Now I know several people building towns. I'm now in the town builder movement, but um, I didn't know about that. And I mean, there's to quote Jimmy, there's 1.5 million towns in the world, uh, but none that are new, none that have an economy that are new. You know, any towns that have been built in the last 50 to 100 years are resort towns. They were built maybe with the intention of having a real economy and being a real town, but they're not. And Jimmy and, uh, you know, Kaliella are trying to actually create something that's beneficial to the local economy. And, you know, it's obviously very controversial and they're called neo-colonialists, etc. but they're doing it, you know, in a country that's not their own. Um, and they're trying to be respectful of that country um, in as many ways as they possibly can, but they are still the other, you know. Um, there's issues of class in, in the affordability of being there. There's issues of race. There's issues of colonialism. There's, you know, but at the end of the day, why I'm drawn to it and why Jim, what I think what Jimmy's doing is worth paying attention to right now is that he's trying to do something. Uh, he's trying to build the architecture around the community. They're trying to build the community first, and they've drawn through their marketing and through their you know, reach. And ironically, if you see my film, We Live in Public, they've attracted a ton of applications for millennials who are overwhelmed with the wired world, who are facing climate disaster, in their lifetime and who are not content to just get out of college and pursue, you know, the job that their parents pursued because that dream is over for them and they are intent on trying to find a new way to live at a time that we all must. And it's very courageous and they're very idealistic. And when they come down there, you know, as you might've seen, I don't know how many episodes you've seen, but you know, the reality of, what they find and what they're able to participate in and what it actually is, is different than what it was on their Instagram feed or in their minds. And it's not necessarily worse. 
it's just different and it's a lot harder when you can, you know, you, you know, our computers are not scratch and sniff, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a, it's a different ball game. And so that is the reality show aspect of it. It's just, it does have undertones of survivor and things like that. And, you know, but th- this is real. This is not people who wanted to be on TV. These are people who wanted to get away from media and <laughs> we followed them there and convinced them that this was a good idea because what they're doing is important. And we're able to build in so many lessons about things like small farmers being abused by Monsanto and phosphorus, you know, that is vital to the way that we live and why it's disappearing from the planet and how to farm tilapia from unrecyclable, recyclable tents, like basically taking tents that would be trash and using them to line a pond, you know, and to grow tilapia as a protein source or iguanas, you know, there's these kinds of things like baked into the show that I think whether you decide to move to Panama after watching the show or whether to join your community garden, um, it's going to have an impact, you know, it's going to make you think. And, uh, I think it's going to influence people to step out of line and question the way that they live, which is like the entire reason I make my work as an artist. So I felt like it was in line with the kind of stuff I do. And I believe he's a visionary and I believe he's, you know, an impossible visionary. I don't know if you've seen my Ted talk at all, but you know, it's, I tend to follow people who are kind of taking on the impossible and then act impossibly along the way to get to the goal. So there's a lot of gray area and, um, I feel like that's where we as an audience get to grapple with our own issues. So I love that. You know, I love, I love if you flip flop on your opinion of Jimmy Stice and Kaliala, you know, uh, a a bunch of times when you're watching this, um, then I feel like that's good because you're engaging with it. How receptive were people um, down there to being the subjects of the story? Almost, I mean, it was all, it was a miracle that this happened. It was not going to happen. People were completely against this idea. It's a very closed community. They weren't clamoring to be on TV. They were horrified at the idea that their way of life would be, you know, destroyed by this show, um, by cameras being there and just hurting their own sense of, um, of, of authenticity, you know, because, I'll tell you something, a day in the jungle feels like a week and the interactions that you have are so much deeper than you have in an average day in America that uh, people are just naked and raw in their humanity there. You can't hide behind your makeup. You can't hide behind your job title. It doesn't matter. If you want something done, you better do it yourself. And if you don't want to work, you shouldn't go there, you know, because they are working very hard. So, and they're also talking a lot and dealing with their issues and growing up and trying to figure who they are in the world and challenging the place and challenging each other. And, you know, so it's just, it's just rife with a lot of conflict. Um, you know, mostly not death defying, mostly just human um, and natural coming from forces that are greater than we are from nature. How possible is it for these types of communities to to form in other places? Yeah, this is this is a model that will be replicable. Um, we need to start organizing ourselves around our values, and with the internet 
we can do that. If you look at the internet, you look at us organizing ourselves into niche groups and finding like-minded people and using the internet to show up certain places to protest certain forces of evil in our world uh, or you know, to go and make other things happen. Um, the entire notion of activism uh, takes a different shape than it did in the 60s, but we're back you know, in a, in a period of time where there's a lot of people that are dissatisfied with the way things are right now and are trying to fight it. And we can do it very effectively through the internet. You know, we've noticed that. And so that's the positive side of the internet. And I believe that because of the internet, we are, we are able to have places like Kaliala. Um, entrepreneurs are able to go ahead and say, we're going to get a group of people we're going to go start this eco village or we're going to go, um, you know, create our own country. And I mean, more on that later, but there's a lot brewing right now. And, um, and it's very interesting and it's mostly coming out of entrepreneurship. It's mostly coming out of, I don't know if you know my site at totaldisruption.com, but I'm really interested in people that make visions into reality and just kind of do it against all odds. And, um, I think that that's, that's, I guess in a nutshell, the irony, uh, which I mentioned earlier, if we live in public, is that all of that stuff has come true, right? Reality TV has come true, prediction that we're all going to give up intimacy and privacy to be online, we're addicted to social media, et cetera, et cetera. It's all, it's all come to pass, um, and these kids are sort of reacting to that. But without Facebook, Kaliyala would not exist because that's how they reach their people. That's how they're able to organize, you know, find people with similar values or people that want to do this. So it's just uh, one of those beautiful cycles of life that I'm really interested in documenting right now as a cultural anthropologist, I suppose. That's great. Yeah, I keep thinking I'm gonna quit documentaries because they're so hard. They're so much harder than people think, um, especially to do them in a unfolding, way over time, which I think provides the greatest narrative, but I keep coming back to it because real life is so much more interesting in so many ways. And the serendipity, if you can capture it over time, um, really does provide the greatest narrative and I think has the most impact on us because we can find ourselves in the story, you know, but you can't just write cut to five years from now. You have to be there five years from now. So I'll be there five years from now. Uh, you got uh, other projects in the works to do between now and then, or are you? Yeah, I'm, this... shooting, um, I'm shooting a script I wrote about Robert Maplethorpe, another impossible visionary, the photographer, probably the most controversial artist in the history of America. Uh, June in New York. I've been developing the film with my team for a decade. So it's a dream come true. And, uh, yeah, I've got to finish this series so I can get to New York and find the locations and cast it very quickly. Will this? Uh, uh, will there be another season of the show then? I mean, is that sort of how you're envisioning this? Is that there will be more? I hope so. I think so. I mean, we're going on A&E and Lifetime as well with episode one. Um, I just found that out today. Uh, we have a lot of a lot of positive feedback so far about this. It's a it is really, you know, so I'm told, unlike, I don't watch a lot of TV, but it's unlike a lot of things on television. 
just because it is so act- so authentic and um, it, it is really so relevant. You know, it's just ultra relevant. I don't think I've ever done anything actually in my career that is this relevant to this many people, you know, even though it is just a unique body of 150 people living in a jungle meant for mostly Americans and from around the world. It's like I said, it's fractals, you know, we're deep in there with them. And what comes out the other side is you understand you relate and you start looking at your own life and you're going to tune in again, you know, and I think we're all going to go through a transformation together. And at least I hope so. It's important for us to not consider this a look at a bunch of kids who want to escape. It's not about that. It's not about running away. It's about running towards something. And, and that's, you know, I think something that you're going to learn through the show. These are very passionate, earnest, intelligent young people, you know. And, uh, of course, there is this conflict between a privately owned company and the people that are drawn to that land who want to think of it more as a commune. There's all sorts of issues. There's a bunch of Westerners and, and Americans, you know, making a town in Panama. There's, you know, there's claims of neocolonialism. There's, there's all sorts of things going on within this story. But at the end of the day, I was attracted to it because it, it, it pictures people that have the courage to try to live in a way that's new and different right now. And I find that fascinating. So I can't pull away from documentaries just yet. I hope we have lots of seasons of this and I will be documenting this town, whatever happens. So, um, cause Viceland are great and they are open-minded and they are allowing me to make a feature length documentary at the end of the day, whenever the end of the day is. So the show is called jungle land and the first of 10 episodes premieres tomorrow, Tuesday, March 28th at 10 o'clock PM Eastern and Pacific on Viceland. I will put links to more of Andy's work, including her TED Talk, in the show notes. I'll also put some information about Jimmy Stice and Kaluyala and the cable channel Viceland there. So if you are enjoying the Mamalud podcast, please take a minute to write a review or rate us on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. We would certainly appreciate it. You can read more of Mamalud every day online at mamalud.com. I'd like to thank Andy Timoner for coming on the podcast today. For Mamalud, I'm Leland Buck. I will be back in a couple of weeks. 